The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. Good morning, honey. Good morning. How are you? Good. We're off to a late start, huh? We are totally off to a late start. 5.49 in the a.m. I was looking up coffee plants, and I've determined we're going to get a coffee plant. They're pretty. Well, they, they're only like high-altitude volcanic soil. I know. Um, it would be an, an inside... We'll just import the volcanic soil. Well, of course we will. No, yeah. I would have it in a pot, and I'd bring it inside during the winter time. Oh, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, but I don't even know if it'll do okay in the summer, or yeah, in the summertime, just because it's... And, that, and you'd realize they grow to like 30 feet high. And so yeah, I haven't thought this completely through. I just and it would probably produce enough coffee beans for like a pot of coffee. Maybe that's why there's plantations like acres and acres. Yeah. I feel like maybe we should just go visit a plantation of some that. kind. Yeah, or something like that. I don't know. I, I think Instead of me getting a plant and then going like a wine, to... like you go to a winery, you could go to a, yeah. a coffee farm. Is that a thing? No, they should make it so. a thing. Yeah, tourist travel. Yeah, or um, whatever they call it. Not tourist travel. What's it called? Um, I don't, it doesn't matter. But, um, we could go to Hawaii because okay. there's a lot of plantations in Hawaii. Right. Go to Hawaii, sip some coffee, be under the sun. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's the- Let's start the industry. Quite Done. possibly the best thing ever. So what, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about panic. We're talking about panic and welcome to the morning struggle. Yes. I'm Ty. I'm Jesse the therapist. Yeah. The, the therapist. The, 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 the therapist. And, um, we're going to take this next successful habit of panic, but it's- it's not a habit. That it's you managing try. panic. It's managing panic. Yeah, it's managing panic. And how people who are not super successful don't, like myself recently. Yeah, so tell us about your experience. So I had a panic attack. Yeah. For the first time in my whole life. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, so because I have panic attacks, they're usually out of nightmares, or it's kind of my main things. Right. Um, and it's not that you're not understanding, it's that you just don't understand it so <laughs> it's not that it's about understanding but you just don't understand yeah for, for me it was it was a benign situation like i yeah, was so... at a restaurant by myself just getting to, to go food uh-huh. and i started feeling kind of lightheaded mm-hmm. and then i started i was going i had some of the medical issues and then I, my mind started spinning on all these negative things that could be happening like i'd be having a stroke or i could be having a heart attack and i just kind of started to panic i had power palpitations i went to stand up i got super lightheaded almost yeah. passed out and you were white and i had, I had to lay down yeah. on one of the tables i tried to get my phone out to call you or 911 i couldn't even manage that right and then two minutes later 90 seconds later i came to i was when well, i didn't actually pass out but i kind of composed myself got our food came home i was dripping in sweat i know it when you came home weirdest thing and you, i went for a run yeah and then you went for a run and i felt much better which yeah. it, it freaks me out because if you were having a heart problem, yeah. a run would not be the logical well, that would be, next step. But that would determine it. If I went for a run and I died, I was like, oh, yep. It was a heart attack. Okay, I can see or that. Or if I went for a run, I felt great after. Yeah, panic attack. So, okay. You know the big flaw in that system is that you're going for a run. You left all of us home. 
Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going for a run. And I was like, what? It's not a flaw. It's just a, it's an all or nothing. It's a do or oh die. You either, yeah. either die or you're fine. And now I'm fine. So <laughs> yeah, okay. you're welcome. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, let's talk. Well, today we're going to talk about panic. We are. About how we really should handle panic. Um, to, we should be able to manage way. it. We should be able mm-hmm. to manage manage stress so it doesn't turn into panic. And that you can have your first panic attack in your 30s. And that's not a weird thing. Yeah. It absolutely happens. So you should be actually educate yourself on panic and anxiety and all of that because it can happen at any point. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. should we dive right into the history of panic? I am super excited to see what the history of panic is. All right, here we go. This day in history. All right. So we have this morning from the uh, Daily News website, okay. uh, five cases of mass hysteria in history. Oh, I like where you went with this. Yeah. 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 So... This is this is panic. This is mass panic. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with the dancing plague of 1518. The dancing plague? Yep. Yep. So a woman in what is today France started dancing in the streets. Okay. And she's danced for like a few days just by herself. Wouldn't like nonstop. Didn't okay. stop to eat. Didn't stop to sleep or anything like that. And then through, you know, history, they, they think about 400 people joined in. What? So they were just, all this, this town just started dancing in the streets. People were dying of heart attacks and exhaustion. Um, it was just uncontrollable. And it was called the Dancing Plague. Just it was like that a mass hysteria so thing. Weird. So people would come and join. They also think that was that was a time during great starvation. So people were starving. There was a lot of disease, such as smallpox, that were overwhelming population of uh-huh. the plague. So they think it just this super high level of stress just made people. So they had a psychotic break, is what you're telling. Essentially, me. they had a psychotic break, which is oh. a bunch of these things. Like a lot of these um, mass hysteria are like what would appear to be fun or interesting things you do that are in inappropriate times or inappropriate ways. Oh. So the next one is the, the Mumbai Sweetwater. This was in 2006. What? So hundreds of people traveled to Mumbai to experience the miracle of one of the most polluted creeks in India. And so it's like a sewage creek. It's disgusting. Um, but it lasted one day and the, the river turned clear. And oh. so people thought that it was a sign from God or the gods or whatever. So yeah. they, would, they would bottle it up. They'd fill garbage bags up. And um, they thought it was a blessing from um, from uh, a, a Sufi saint, okay. So which is their 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 belief. So, um, but a little explanation of that it was probably just a heavy rain uh, runoff water that had oh, cleared that the cleared top of the river because it was a pretty oh. it's a pretty stale, stagnant river, and it had cleared the top of the river. Is what they think. Oh, that makes sense. Could could be a blessing though. But so that was another kind of a mass. But then hysteria. Every, everybody People ran to thinking collect, collect this water. Yep, oh, thinking it's God got these healing powers um the ne- next one is in tanzania okay um it's tanganyika Ika. um it's a laughter epidemic so like a laughing fit oh i've heard you've of had, these giggle before. fits right uh-huh. but this was 1962 and it lasted like months um and it started with a single joke in a school and it didn't end for <laughs> like i said months and what? it caught on by nearby villages um but according to this um this linguistics doctorate from purdue uh dr hempelman uh he said that this phenomenon was most likely stress and not like a happy Uh, exuberance for life right so i think a lot of these villages were dealing with the same thing you know hunger and starvation you know they're dealing with with militias and and uh, violence and all that so that was the laughing epidemic of tanzania oh wow yeah um and then we've got just two more one the penis panic Oh, have you heard, I, have you I heard really enjoyed this have name. Have you heard of Coro? 
No. No, so it affects nope. men in Africa and Southeast Asia, and they have a fear that their penis is shrinking will completely disappear. So they like put hooks or something <gasps> in it with a chain attached to them so it won't won't disappear. Oh my and gosh, so really? Is, so like a piercing? Yeah, yeah, essentially metal clamps or hooks or fish lines or something like that just oh to goodness. keep track of it. Which to keep track of it. I I have if I thought that was going to happen to me, I absolutely you gotta you gotta keep track of it, right? So anyway, that your, that's your coral. Penis is gonna eventually. So this is a thing. This is a thing. Coral. This oh. is syndrome. Um, and then the last one, the toxic lady. In this is 1994. The toxic lady. Yeah, the, the 1994. Gloria Ramirez, a woman from Riverside, California, brought into emergency room with uh, cervical cancer, and a nurse took her blood, uh-huh. smelled the foul-smelling blood, and fainted. Oh. And then another nurse came in and fainted. A third nurse came in and fainted. And so then the emergency room was evacuated thinking it was a hazmat scene. Yeah. Right? Um, And then they ended up finding these like little, what are they, little white, you know, white specks in her blood. What? Um, And what they're thinking is- spores or something? Well, they're thinking maybe it was these, um, the, the- the medicine she has for her cervical cancer okay. along with her kidney failure wasn't actually excreting a lot of this medication okay. and combined with um, combined with other stuff they they thought maybe it might have formed dimethyl sulfide sulfoxide oh. dimethyl sulfoxide so just kind of crazy but then that off-gassed and made these nurses faint no but it created way. this huge mass hysteria in that little hospital yeah no i would imagine that yeah. i mean cuz Hospitals are no joke in yeah. those kind of situations. Yeah. So, but but it's a good example of of something something that you can't explain rationally at the that instance. Yeah, snowballing on itself mm-hmm. until you get to a point where nothing is logical, nothing makes sense, and you can make no positive change towards any kind of solution. Because it's like a, a runaway train at it's that a point. Runaway train. That's yeah. what panic is, right? Yep, exactly. So, anyway, that's five. That's five. I got. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, should we go into the science of what happens to your brain during panic? Let's talk about the science. All right, I like it. Okay, so just to be clear, panic can happen even if you are happy, successful, and have low stress. Oh, even low stress times. Even low stress times, okay. yes. So the, um, it sounds like all of those folks were, had high stresses of some kind. But even if you're having low stress, your body can initiate the panic um, hormone splash. Okay. And then suddenly you are all panicky. Okay. Okay. Um, everyone can have a panic attack, even if it's in, emerging into your 30s. Um, and, and trust me, it is a terrifying thing. Like you literally think you're dying. Yeah, you do. So it's yeah, and and you can't you can't logically get yourself to go like, oh, I am I am just you know having a hard time right now, or oh, I must have stood up too fast, or whatever it is. Then we determine that we're dying, and everybody's going to watch us die essentially in in a restaurant, right? Five uh, percent of the population will have a panic attack, and I think that is a lie. I think it's higher than that. Oh yes, significantly okay. higher. Um, well, because I, I don't report my panic attack. Oh, no. No, no, no. Exactly. And people usually don't come into therapy until they've had like three or four at least. So, um, yeah, I I think that's highly underreported. And um, this is based on diagnoses. Oh, just pure pure. Yeah, and there is a panic disorder diagnosis. And so um, not generalized anxiety, but 
panic. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I would say this is very, very low reporting. Okay. Uh, 40% of the population report panic symptoms, okay, that they don't meet diagnosis. So maybe they meet generalized anxiety disorder, but not panic. And so I would say we're getting even even higher than that in anxiety symptoms okay. of some kind, but somehow they have managed it. Okay, so the causes of panic. So what's really interesting is that if you happen to have asthma, for instance, some medications such as those used in asthma that are a beta um, agonist, um, beta blockers um, or a, a beta agonist, then your anxiety can rise because anxiety medications are beta blockers. Okay. So if you if you have any any type of stimulant, of a medication. Right. A beta blocker slows your heart. A beta antagonist increases your heart. Right. Right. Okay. right. And, and. Or beta antagonist decreases your heart rate. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, a beta. A beta, beta a- antagonist increases your heart rate. Yeah. Beta blocker decreases your heart rate. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're on some sort of medication, that can definitely play into it. And so you need to look at your medications first and foremost. Um, caffeine. Caffeine is a stimulant. So, um, and even the oils in the coffee I, I researched, um, even in decaf, so even if you don't have the caffeine that is normally found in coffee, um, the oils in coffee can create a stimulant, eff- stimulant effect in some people. Really? Yes. So um, so even if you're decaffeinated it up because you're like, I have too much anxiety, I can't manage myself. You're still getting a stimulant effect. You are. Yeah. Depending okay. on how sensitive you are to the oil of it. Okay. Okay. Um, hormone shifts. So... Did you know that men also have kind of equivalent hormone changes that Ma- women do? Menopause. Menopause, yeah. It's a thing. So men just gulp and deal with it. Um, because women also, I mean, we have our menstrual cycle and all of that. But men also have testosterone estrogen shifts. Yeah. That's right? why everybody's on TRT now. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's it, true. But. It's, well, yeah. But so um, any type of heavy shift in our testosterone and our estrogen um can create anxiety symptoms and even full on panic because our, our body's like this, you know, like bumping around like the ocean, like, oh, okay, here we go. And then suddenly you have a big shift, like, oh man, you're going to start a menstrual cycle and everything shifts. And then your body goes, ah, and then you'll start having panic symptoms. Okay. Okay. Um, and then our last one that we're going to talk about is the fight, flight, freeze, adrenaline responses. And um, these come from the amygdala in our brain. And um, the reason why you can't logically talk yourself out of a panic attack is because your frontal lobe shuts off. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Because when you're running Can you turn it back on during these times? Of course, yes. Which we'll get into. And we'll get into, yes. Um, But but basically what it is is that um, your frontal lobe shuts off because when you're running from a bear, you don't need to be like, hmm, I wonder how the harvest is going to be this year. Um, we're just surviving. And that's where that amygdala hippocamp or the hippocamp, it'll talk to the hippocampus. Um, but that amygdala really takes charge in that moment to save you. And it's important that we have that response because we have to get out of the way quickly from things at times to time, time and, to time. And this is my question with that. Yeah. So like panic is obviously there innately hardwired into our brain yes. to essentially help us, you know, run away from bears. Right. Right. Or, or danger. Essentially, right. you you find yourself in a situation that you're scared of. You start to panic, and it gives you this response that's going to assist you in surviving. Right. So, but we don't have many situations in our current day where I have to run from a bear. Yeah. But I do have those stress levels, and I if I have a panic situation, mm-hmm. like do I 
do is it good to go for that run to be like oh my gosh i've got this dump of stuff i'm gonna pretend like i'm getting chased by a bear watch me run is that healthy or is that was that not healthy for me to do well okay so the only caveat to that i would have would be that medical conditions i guess yeah i don't want you to pass out and that's why i didn't want you to go on the run is because i didn't want you to die on a run away from us like if we had a treadmill go for it right then you could hit the treadmill so is my body just saying like, oh, you're going to play possum? Like you're literally going to play dead No. Here? So here's the thing. This is what happens. Okay. So um, normally when we have a fight, flight, freeze, um, adrenaline dump, we see a bear or whatever it is, right? Right. We can identify that and our reptilian brain can go bear, run, right? right. The, the problem with panic attacks like the one that you had is that the bear is in our head. Okay. You can't run from the bear. Right. That's in your head. And so it it uh, it kind of folds on itself where you can't run away from your own head. And so suddenly you're like, holy crap. And the body starts freaking out even more because you can't just run. You can't escape from it. Okay. No, nope. because it, I mean, you're sitting it there makes, waiting for your food sense. and there's social context. There's not a bear. If you go running out like, ah, there's a bear. Um, everybody's going to be like, oh, okay. The Let's next thing the you cops. know, all the people are running from bears, and then it's the great bear hiss and pass hysteria it's, of 2019. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. No, but really, though. I get it, though, yeah. Yeah, so, the, I mean, that's where that's where we start getting into these big, what did, what did you call it? Epi- it's not epidemic. Hysteria, mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Yeah. yeah, where you might react in a certain way, and then everybody else follows you because nobody knows what's actually happening. Right. That makes so. sense why that doesn't work then. Why you, why you don't yeah, have that. Yeah, you just, your, your right frontal response. lobe is not on. You cannot think through it. You are in survival mode. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, All right. Good to know. Yeah. So going for a run would be helpful. You also increase your blood flow so you can kind of decrease the amount that's stocked up in your brain at that point. The cortisol oh, you're just kind of flushing the, your system. Yeah. And like so. Talk about with the exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's not a bad deal in that way. So, yeah. So that's the science behind panic so that's it that's all we got for science that's all we got for science yep all right so interesting stuff yeah all right so should we talk about our so we're gonna do coffee segment now coffee segment yeah coffee segment because we're gonna do some reviews we're also gonna do some history we're gonna do some fun stuff with coffee it's not just gonna be you know this coffee's an eight out of ten yeah with four stars oh my gosh that doesn't exist all right graphic coffee i drank Pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee Trying to keep my sleepy soul awake But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes All right, so I'm going to give you a, uh, a teaser Ooh. for next podcast. We're okay. going to review Black Rifle Coffee. Yes, we are. They're, they're a Utah yes. company. They're great. So we're going to review well, them. Well, because I, I did a presentation at uh, the Frontline Summit at FitCon. And, and they were there. They were there. And they yeah. were very, very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to review that coffee. It's, spoiler alert, it's really good. Um, but we're going to talk today about the life cycle of a coffee bean. Oh, I like that. Because I want to know because I'm going to grow um, some plants. We talked about you're going to grow some coffee plants, right? I'm not. So so this uh, this is from the Times... Let's talk about what happens to a coffee bean. So first of all, have you ever seen a coffee bean in the wild? I have this morning when you showed me the picture of the little red beans. Yeah, well, it's a little red fruit. Oh, they're right? li- are they fruit? They're fruit. Oh, because the, the bean itself would be the seed, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's actually a seed of a cherry-like fruit. They look like cherries. If you've ever seen a cherry tree, you know, it, but it looks like a cherry on a tall tree. Okay. These trees can get 
they're, I don't know, 30 feet high. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they, they grow in like Arabica coffee, um, grows in like high elevations on vo- volcanic soil, in volcanic soil. Right. So that's why they're, they're so happy in Hawaii. Yeah, same thing like Hawaii, right? Got a lot yeah. of volcanic soil. It's real mineral rich. I'm guessing that's why they have so many like flavors and aromas in the actual coffee bean. Yeah, well, because I I looked up, there's different, um, I want to say breeds, but different breeds of beans. But then you put them in different areas and they seem to like grow and take on new flavors and new properties and change their DNA. I like it. Um, So, but it's it's like it's a small, tender plant. Look, they look like little, like remember like the Martian with um, Matt Damon when he's growing the potato plants? Oh yeah. yeah, it's just like a little stem with a leaf on it, like any any little tree kind of thing. That's all they start out as. Nice. And they grow to about thirty feet high with these bunches of so bunches of red cherry like fruit, right? Essentially, so when they are ripe, they're bright red, and a lot of times they're hand picked. Oh really? So they go through and they pick out just the ripest ones. Um, some of the bigger conglomerates use like a machine to uh, pick their cherry trees. But anyway, then they're sorted in these like big bins. Okay. This is the same thing happens with like uh, cocoa, like for for chocolate. Oh, yes. Yeah. They just throw them in these open air bins, Mm -hmm. like all these things. It's kind of, you know, if you were to, it's good, it's fine. But it almost looks like like here in the United States where we have like livestock feed and things like that, Mm -hmm. where you just throw it out there in these bins kind of deal. That's kind of how our food starts. The same yeah, thing. Absolutely. So it's not like some sterile environment that's super, it's just, yeah. Or fancy in or any fancy, way. fancy, it's just a wooden crate. We're just out, out with, a, with a cover on it so it doesn't get rained on. Yep. Um, but they're assorted. They're they're kind of mixed. So they're the same same size with the same size, same ripeness is with the same ripeness because then they lay it out on these mats to dry in the sun. Oh. And they just dry the coffee beans out in the sun. The full so, like fruit, the red fruit yep. thing. Oh. So the, the cherry falls off. You know, it dries and the cherry part falls off. I think they can also pull the meat of the cherry off and then mm. just dry the seed. Mm. But they dry, they dry the seed out in the sun and then they ship them usually by ship. Um, and then so you get these unroasted coffee seeds. Oh. Right? These coffee beans. Um, and then you start to roast them. Okay. And that's usually done wherever the coffee roaster is. So we have like in Salt Lake City, we got a lot of coffee roasters. They'll, we they'll do, get in yeah. Raw coffee beans, uh-huh. and then they'll roast them themselves. And oh. that in itself is a very a, a, like a huge artistic. It's a event. loving. It's a loving process. This article said just a few seconds on either side uh-huh. can change the complete dynamics of the taste of the coffee bean. What? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I got a buddy at the fire department, Zach, who always says Starbucks coffee is terrible because they burn their beans. And I was like, oh. oh, do they really? But they might. They might yeah. cook a little extra just because it's so commercially produced. They want to make sure everything's cooked through. Right. And he maybe has a, a, a refined palate. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's that's the coffee bean. Hmm. And then, like I said, over 900 tastes and aromas in a coffee bean. What? Yeah. That's like a minimum number. So, no way. Yeah. And then, um, and then it's roasted. And then you can do whatever you want with it. It can go to a K-cup. It can go to your packaged bag Mm -hmm. from whatever coffee artisan coffee or like mass-produced coffee right it can go right to you and then it's ground up or it can be ground up beforehand and then brewed however you want to brew it oh i like that is it what are your thoughts on the k-cup i think it produces too much garbage okay a ton of waste in a k-cup um but it is super convenient and our new office is going to have k-cups yeah it's just it because it makes it easier. However, yeah. we got to figure out a way to like recycle those. Anecdotally, I think the inventor of the K-Cup 
was is disappointed at the amount of waste that they produce. Yeah. I don't think he realized that was a byproduct. Right. Anecdotal. Check it. Check it out. Check it. So anyway, that's the life of a coffee bean. And then it, oh, then it goes in your belly and it makes you happy. Oh, so happy. But if you're misusing it or you're over-caffeinated, I guess you can get a panic attack. Yep, it's true. Okay. That's, that's all I got. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely going to grow one. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Maybe a dwarf coffee plant. Yeah, there you we go. can have like a, a half a shot of espresso there you go. at the end of the year. There you go. <laughs> and I, I, again, I don't, I don't get how coffee is. I know coffee is expensive, but some of these products are so cheap. When it like peanuts, they take like a whole plant of a peanut plant. Yeah, they have to rip it up every like, time. Yeah, mm-hmm. barely any peanuts. I don't, I just don't get it. Yep. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, people in these developing countries don't get paid anything for these. That's why we need to respect our food more. Yeah. And like I said, that's why you want sustainable coffee and, and good crop coffee growing practices. Exactly. So you want you want this to keep going. We don't want the dispersion of wealth to keep um, gapping more. Exactly. So, all right. Well, let's talk. Let's go back to panic. Yep. And let's talk about action plan. Action plan. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. All right. So you ready for this? It's our action plan. Action plan it up. Okay, so first you need to know what your risk factors are. Okay. So what are your risk factors to panic? To panic? Mm-hmm. Um, Health-related issues. Yeah. Um, And money-related issues. Okay. Are we talking about that? Like like physical Yeah, well, that. Triggers? And then like you don't have any ba- uh, beta um, agonists medications. No. Um. Yeah, it, like you do, or you were drinking quite a bit Over-ca- of coffee. Over-caffeinated. Yeah, so you, were, that's you had another, lots of caffeine. Another red flag. Okay. But, but you need to assess, you need to go through all of the risk factors and really be honest with yourself about where you're at. Okay. Okay, so if like you don't want to give up coffee, even though you're over-caffeinated, um, you need to be like, okay, so maybe my panic is due to caffeine. Maybe I should just lessen a cup and see if that's what's going on or switch to tea on and off and just see if there's a difference that might be helpful. Okay. But understand like if you have past trauma, like mine with, um, nighttime and sleeping and waking up into a panic, um, I like to have like either you or you're gone, but, or a pillow version of you, so that I can I can reach over and go, oh, okay, I'm okay. Because you know one of your triggers or red flags is sleeping. Is sleeping. And so you know you're going to have nightmares. And then, yeah, so you already know that that's a, a warning. Right. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Yeah, so just kind of setting yourself up, being like, oh, okay, I understand that this is kind of my, something that could possibly trigger a panic attack of some kind. Okay. Um, so you also, if this is happening a lot, you need to go to a doctor. A doctor and then... And, and, as, then and a therapist, a therapist or, yeah, depending okay. on it. But talk to the doctor and say, hey, I'm having lots of panic because lots of different things can cause a panic attack. Actual medical conditions. Actual you medical need, conditions. You need actual blood work. You need actual yes. doctor analysis. Okay. Because maybe your testosterone has totally bottomed out. Yeah. Maybe you have zero. And that would absolutely create some panic um, in your body that you don't, you can't recognize from the outside. You're sure. like, oh, testosterone's low today. Um, so being, being able to go to the doctor, they can go over medications, um, going to therapy would be good, but do know, do make sure there's no medical issues happening. Yeah. Um, and then educate yourself on panic and all of the medications you're taking in, all of the foods you're taking in everything and see if there's any type of outside stimulus before we start going into psychological. So this is, this is like what we do for most of the things for successful people. They're, they're great at most of the time. Uh, at self-assessment. Yes. They yeah. just, they, they can look at themselves in a rational way and say, 
what are the what are the rational things that I'm doing that are working and are not working? Right. And where do I go from here? Right. And this is obviously you're having this when you're not having a panic attack. Right. So you need to think of this outside of. That's like an upper level guru of stress is if you're during a panic attack, you can have a ra- rational conversation with yourself about why you're having your panic attack. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so not we're not there yet. No, no, I don't think anyone's there yet. And I will tell you why. But, okay, let's hear it. Um, but also I want you to avoid smoking, alcohol and caffeine for two weeks to see if that's part of it. So you want people to detox. I would like and go through detox. withdrawals. Yeah. What if I what if I have panic attacks because I'm withdrawing? <laughs> Maybe. Like let's say that you are drinking a lot of coffee. Maybe step down approach would be good. Um, versus like just cutting it clean. Because you're gonna have headaches and aches and all of that with caffeine, just the same as you would not as bad as heroin, but kidding, pretty yeah. bad. No, but really though, it um withdrawal symptoms of any kind let's say that you are a drug user or recreationally drug user and then suddenly you're like nope i'm not gonna do this anymore and you start having withdrawal symptoms you can freak out because of that so even though i was joking about that that's a real thing real thing yeah keep going so what i would like people to do our, our our actual action plan is to sit down and create a plan for when these triggers happen okay um because you cannot control your triggers okay okay so like when i go to sleep some nights I'm going to sleep and some nights I'm going to wake up in a panic. So you, I can't yeah. really control which is going to happen. So some variables you can control, some you can't. And it's just being aware of, of reducing the ones you can control and accepting that the ones you can't control are going to happen. Right. Okay. And that's why you want to create a plan around the triggers that you really can't control. Okay. What's this plan consist of? Okay. So first thing, if you are having a panic attack, I want you to sit down. Okay. Okay. Because... Because... Because bears don't like people who are sitting. Well, because if there's not an actual bear. And so you can sit this down. A, this is the mind bear you can't get away the from. The mind bear. Okay. Yeah, but if you're sitting down, you're less likely to, to fully pass out and crack your head open. That's okay. my thought process behind that. It's the opposite of what I tried to do. Yeah, where you're like trying to get the food and drive home and yeah. like just like, uh. Trying to, fight, trying to fight through it. Yeah, okay. you're trying to fight through but it. Sit so down. Sit, sit down, down and relax. Try to control your breathing and slow down. Okay. Okay, so this comes with practice. So if even if you're just anxious, I want you to practice your panic plan because then when the panic happens, you're significantly more likely to do it because you're not going to do a action plan for your panic unless it's mindless. Oh, so you actually have to practice breathing exercises mm-hmm. when you're in a good state of mind so it comes naturally. Or even a fair state of mind. Like let's or say you're having mind. a little bit of anxiety. Oh. You're like, I am going to practice deep breathing so that your body gets used to, oh, this is what we do. Because remember, your frontal lobe is not on when you have that panic response. So it's got to be ingrained in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's for you to actually do it during a panic, yep. panic attack. Okay. Yep. So controlling breathing, um, try to slow it down the way that you can. That's where the paper bag thing comes in, where you're like breathing in and out. And then the balloon. I use the balloon for kids because they can watch the balloon expand. And, you know, get smaller and all that. It's like a visual way of seeing your breathing. Um, and then we're, we're going to try to bring that frontal lobe back on, but you need to be sitting while you do this. So I want you to um, try to acknowledge what's happening because panic and anxiety are degrees. So if you are full panic, you're probably not going to sit down. You're probably not going to do any of these things unless it's been practiced. If you're like on on the just the one toe into a panic attack, then you might be able to kind of 
calm down enough to bring yourself back in. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for skills mm -hmm. to stop this from occurring as it's starting. Not to eliminate this from your life. It's not, right. hey, I'll never have a panic attack again. It's, oh, hey, when this happens, I have worked hard, I have prepared efficiently, and now I can avoid it or at least reduce the effects. Yes, okay. exactly. So I like to use the five senses to go about bringing your frontal lobe back on, okay. trying to fill your fingerprints, which is a ridiculous thing if you're in full panic. But if you're in anxiety, you can kind of get... Like by rubbing your thumb and your index finger together? Yep, yep. And you're just trying to fill the ripples in your fingerprint, Okay. which is quite it's quite difficult. You have to hyper-focus on it. I, w I would want you to squeeze your hands together. It's like hard. Like real tight? Yeah, really, really, really tight. So you can like try to feel your hands because also your blood is shunting to your main organs. So um, you you probably you're gonna get cold in your extremities. You're gonna get pale like you were. Right. Um, and so if you're squeezing your hands, you're trying to create blood flow in that area, and also you're trying to get those nerves to come back on and say, "Hey, we're good. We're good. We're gonna do this." Okay. Um, shock sense, shock taste. Like we talked about one. last time. Yeah, being able to do those things to try to to bring yourself back on. Although, like for instance, you being in a restaurant, you're not gonna be carrying around like a a container of the le the lemon juice or whatever right okay. so but being able to have maybe have those things if you tend to have them in a certain location yeah like exactly at home or at work or whatever it right. is right you can just have it right there ready to roll okay and that one for those you had this last one the shock senses essentially trigger your parasympathetic response yes. your digestive response yep. in that and kind of gets you your frontal lobe firing again because you're going through that process. Yes. Okay. And and we even just want it to come up a smidgen. We don't need it to be like ready to do math, but right. just enough to come on and be like, okay, oh, we're all right. We're all right. Um, we also, we can do things like our deep breathing also creates that parasympathetic response and then trying to hyper-focus on something in the area. So oh. like you, you sat down at the table, right? You could have looked at the design on the table. Okay. Okay. And trying to really hyper focus in on that. Because if nothing else, you can sit there and concentrate on that table. Okay. And that'll bring the, the frontal lobe back on. Worst case scenario, and I know this sounds kind of bad, but this is very helpful to people who chronically experience panic attacks. Worst case scenario, you're going to hyperventilate, you're going to pass out, and then your breathing is going to come back on normal. So you're essentially starting the slow breathing so you don't have to pass out through hyperventilation yes okay yep so um but if if all else fails and you just full on pa pass out your body knows what to do okay. it's going to come back on just like it would and then i really would want you guys to create some sort of social supports or seek help during these times like i know that you try like you try to get your phone out because you're like holy crap i'm having a heart attack or something um but in the future um, maybe if you can, like if, if someone's with you, like grabbing my arm or something or being able to like, Hey, I had this, this panic attack. I am really nervous about going back into this restaurant. Sure. Um, and that way you can kind of talk it out and therefore you have a support structure around your panic. Okay. And I think everyone should create some sort of panic or anxiety plan because again, it's degrees. And so you can practice it at any level because we all have anxiety at some point. Um, but then being able to like, oh, my body knows that I start to deep breathe if I'm feeling anxious so that if, if, and when you do have that panic attack, you are fully prepared to start using skills so that it's not as distressing of an event as it could be. Okay. So self-assessment and then a plan for when these panic attacks starts 
you practice your plan before you're actually in the panic attack. Yes, exactly. Okay, go out there and build a better you. Thanks, guys.